We talked in last week's sermon about middle school, and we return to the middle school. Last week, it was the cafeteria experience. This year, junior high dances. Do you remember those? If yours were like mine, they were held in a school gym. You'd show up. You'd be led into the dance by a volunteer teacher or volunteer parent. You'd walk into this open gym now being used as a dance floor. And if you were like me, you would veer immediately from the dance floor and up over in the bleachers for three consecutive hours of non-dancing. There was no way I was going to dance. There was way too many ways this could go wrong. Poor dance moves, wrong words to the girl, awkwardness in every possible direction at that age. So I sat on the bleachers in a dance, most assuredly not dancing. I wonder if anybody else was with me in the bleachers. The question for us this morning is, are any of us there today? Because what we find from our passage in John chapter 17 is we're definitely in a dance. And bear with me a moment on, on that. This dance has to do with everything, has everything to do with what we find Jesus praying in verse 11 and actually repeating in later verses I didn't read. He prays that they may be one as we are one. And this is where the early church fathers and mothers of the second and third century are so helpful. Uh, they really keyed into this John 17 and noted the way this son and father relationship is described by Jesus. And they observed that the bond that really holds the son and the father is the Holy Spirit. What they saw here was one God, three persons, this interrelationship of oneness, what we call the Trinity. And they had an important descriptor for the Trinity, perichoresis, meaning to dance or flow around, mutual movement, mutual indwelling. They understood that the, the Trinity is not this theological uh, static concept. Trinity, for them, was, uh, was understood to be three-in-one motion. Trinity is the dance of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One theologian summarizes it, uh, the, the ch early church leader's understanding of the Trinity this way. Each of the divine persons centers upon the others. Each voluntarily circles the other two, pouring love, delight, adoration into them. Each person of the Trinity loves, adores, defers to, rejoices in the others. That creates a dynamic, pulsating dance of joy and love. God, at God's very essence, is a community of one in constant self-giving motion of love. And scripture, by the way, is clear time and again, we live in Christ, right? We live and move and have our very being in the existence of God. In other words, we are in the dance. Who is God? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus talks about us being one, as he and the Father are one, his prayer is that we too might dance with one another as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dance with one another, that we might have a motion of self-giving love continually towards one another, that we might know our oneness together, not through simply agreeing on all matters or, or thinking the same way on all matters of importance, but we might know the gift of our oneness 
in the way we give and receive love unto one another. Conceptually, I think it's a beautiful thought. But then I remember those middle school dances again. And I remember climbing those bleachers and how I would sit with a couple friends and then I would make comments about how lame the dance is and how ridiculous so-and-so looks out there on the dance floor. In reality, of course, we were in the bleachers because we were scared, we were anxious, and this felt safe, right? We were keeping ourselves from making any mistakes, making fools out of ourselves, getting ridiculed. We didn't use the word then, but we readily intuited that if you go out on the dance floor, that is vulnerable. And we weren't having any of that. The truth is that every phase of life, it is tempting to be in the dance, but not dancing. Far safer, right? To be in the bleachers with whatever grievances or pain we may carry, rather than risk giving the vulnerable, self-giving dance of, of forgiveness. Because who knows how that will be received how we might receive it, open ourselves, what happens if we open ourselves. Far safer to stay in the bleachers with, with a couple like-minded friends rather than risk vulnerable, self-giving dance of, of caring for another or others with whom we are less familiar or don't readily understand. Far safer to stay in the bleachers of, of our side and, and throw sort of social media zingers at, at them and, and that side rather than risk the self-giving dance of listening and learning and humility of another perspective. Far safer to stay in the bleachers holding on to what we have and we don't want to look like a fool or, or what would happen if we, we let go rather than risking the self giving dance of generosity. Far safer, right, to stay in the bleachers comfortably seated rather than risk the spiritual gifts God has given us because, because what if those gifts just prove too different, too, too poorly timed, too poorly executed, not, not well received? How many are the ways we can count where you can be in the dance but it is really a fearful thing to dance. Thanks be to God, ours is not a God who made that choice. Right? Jesus could have made, remained safely in the heavenly bleachers. But Philippians chapter 2 is clear that Jesus, quote, did not consider equality with God as something to be held on to, but rather Jesus emptied himself, left the bleachers, and became a servant. He came vulnerably upon the dance floor and offered himself time and again in love. And then in our passage, Jesus prays quite explicitly, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. In the same manner I came into this world, vulnerable, loving, so I send them. The bleachers are not our home. Always. 
Jesus is sending us, even praying us out of the next comfortable seat and unto a fresh expression of the dance, unto the kind of love that risks something. How? How does he call this day? And lest we fear, we, we, we're not sure we have the courage or, or the wherewithal to muster something that's starting to land upon the heart or the heart collective. We're not sure if we can, we can quite step forward with, with, with that kind of forgiveness or, or a fresh sense of, of advocacy or a renewed compassion or a new humility or offer up those spiritual gifts once more in this time, lest we think of too many ways that the offering love will fail, will be ridiculed, will be rejected, will just not work, take heart. Did you hear the very first petition that Jesus prays in this extended prayer for the disciples? The very first thing Jesus asks, Holy Father, Protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Holy Father, protect them. We need not spend our time and energy building up our defenses and and fortifying our hearts just in case. We need not try and take charge to ensure that whatever the next step of faith is, we are minimizing all the things that could possibly go wrong, minimizing possible danger, possible pain. No, we step in faith assured this day. We are covered in the prayer of Jesus himself. Protect them that they may be one as we are one. Protect them so they can dance as we dance. Protect them so they can love fully. Can we receive the full gift of that prayer covering our souls and our soul as we contemplate the next step? I want to share a story I have shared with you all, or some of you all, I should say, previously, but it it feels timely to bring it back around. I was in Bethlehem in January of 2015, and I came across this shop selling Christmas ornaments made of multicolored glass. Beautiful ornaments, some of them doves, some of them angels, some of them Jesus and Mary and Joseph, the the manger scene. I drew closer and I read one of the the tags that went with the, the ornaments. There'd been a siege of the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem in 2002 by the Israeli army. It lasted 38 days, and during that time, as there was shooting from both sides and ensuing and heavy damage to Bethlehem, <clears throat> shattered glass all over the streets. Well, the group in Bethlehem decided to start picking up the glass pieces. <clears throat> they put them through a firing process, wherein these jagged edges were softened and tempered into these pieces that were repurposed as the Christmas ornaments. What they envisioned was a day when these ornaments could go on trees as symbols of surprising friendship between those who once shot bullets at one another. One might rightly ask, 
why not take those shards of glass and throw them back? Or at least take this glass and the time it takes to pick up all this glass. Instead, find ways to guard yourselves and, and, and your safety all the more. More, what would, what would those who still carry the wounds of the siege, what would they think of that kind of move? I didn't know this when I first entered the shop. It looked like any number of other shops. It turns out this particular shop was part of the local Lutheran church's ministry. The Lutheran church owned it. This was theirs. It was the church then. It was the people of Jesus who had every reason, right, to run to the bleachers and figure out ways to stay safe. Who, people who surely had reason to worry about what some might think if they did this or that. The church, it was the church of all people who risked this fragile expression of hope. It was the church who risked crafting a vision of reconciliation with those with whom they known violence. Like I said, they were, they are beautiful ornaments. We have one in our house. And it makes me mindful that in the very middle of Jesus' prayer, he says the reason he's praying all this, this protection, that they may be one as we are one, the reason he's praying it all is, quote, at this point he says, so that they may have my joy made complete in them. There's no joy, there's no beauty safely in the bleachers. But risk the dance floor. Risk Jesus-inspired love toward that person, those people. Risk failure and ridicule as the church of Jesus Christ because, because that is the way that Jesus is calling at this moment. Risk the unknown dance you have never tried, but every five-year being says the Holy Spirit is calling forth that dance move for such a time as this. Risk it. And though it may not go at all how you hoped or envisioned or, or, or any of that, every single time, there is surprising beauty. Every single time, there is joy. And we know that, right? Because Jesus himself prays for the protection of that gift. And Jesus' love is faithful to abide in us and through us. And as 1 Corinthians 13 memorably reminds us time and again, love, love never fails. We live and we move and we have our being in a dance. How then shall we dance for such a time as this? Amen.